going to begin tonight with the message that leads us into the stories of this night. If you've been following with us as we go through this, that we have been looking at the Gospel of John all through this season of Lent, and I've been going through that Gospel backwards, that we're going backing up one story at a time. So if you've been with us, then you know this past Sunday, which was Palm Sunday, we were backed up in the Gospel of John to that point, the Palm Sunday story. What we're doing tonight, then, will be a fast forward. We're going to go back forward through those stories in the Gospel of John to bring us to the crucifixion. But before we do that, I want to rewind just one more story back from where we were on Palm Sunday. Because I think the story in the Gospel of John that happens right before Palm Sunday sets a theme in front of us that carries through all these other stories. So this comes from John chapter 12. I'm going to read the first 11 verses. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took out a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to whatever was put in it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The story we back up to then, Jesus being anointed, the perfume poured over him. This is one of those stories that does appear in all four of the Gospels in some way. Although if you were to track that down in all four of the Gospels, you would find that the details of this story are remarkably different to the point where they don't line up nicely. The Gospel writers don't all agree exactly on when this story took place. 
or in what village it took place in, or in whose house it took place in, or who the woman was that poured the perfume, or if the perfume was poured on Jesus' head or just on his feet. It's very different in each of the stories as you find it in the Gospels. But it's a reminder for us, a reminder that the Gospel writers were not primarily concerned with this accurate historical textbook. That wasn't the purpose for their writing. The gospel writers wrote their gospels because they had a deeper purpose in mind. They wanted to tell the story of Jesus so that people would believe, not just write a history book. John then takes this story and puts it in this particular place. At this particular time, with these particular people, for a reason. Something that the other gospel writers all put in their own places for their own reasons. But thinking about how that works for John in this story, at this time. Because if you've been with us, you know in this season of Lent that John is trying to prepare for what's coming. All these stories of Jesus that back up and back up and back up are all meant to point forward to the cross. So I think John very intentionally puts this story right here with these people, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, who are not given name in any of the other three Gospels as being at this event. And what takes place there then? That Mary brings this jar of perfume, a pint of pure nard, and pours it upon Jesus. Some of the other gospel writers say it was poured upon Jesus' head, and it's so much that it just drips down and it flows over his entire body, which makes sense with that amount, that it would be that much and poured and dripping all down. And then John includes the detail that as it's dripping down Jesus, that, that she bends down and kneels before him and uses her hair to wipe his feet as it's dripping down upon him. You can picture that taking place. That amount of perfume would normally be reserved for a burial. And John gives a nod towards that too, doesn't he? That Mary is preparing him for a burial. Think about the striking scene that takes place there. The strong smell of this perfume. John tells us it filled the whole house. It's how much of it there was. Consider how striking it would have been for Mary to do what she did, kneeling at his feet, wiping it with her hair. Let's remember at this time that it was customary that grown women did not show their hair. That it would have been completely covered. But in this moment, Mary lets her hair down for all to see. In this moment, that has a completely reckless abandon. All the rules of decorum are pushed aside for Mary to do this act. And the cost of the perfume 
Judas says it's worth a year's wages. Other gospel writers tell us that it's worth about 300 denarii. Uh, one denarii was what they called the day's wages. So a worker who worked for a full day would receive one denarii, thereby 300 of them would be about a year's wages. 300 denarii coming into today's economy would be somewhere around the neighborhood of $60,000. You can imagine, $60,000 poured out, emptied, and gone. That this was a scene, no wonder, all four of the gospel writers catch on to this one and tell us about it. This is one to be remembered. Mary sees something in this. Something that I wonder if the others saw it as well or when they caught on. John tells us that they are in the village of Bethany. Bethany is, is about two miles from Jerusalem. And Jesus has been getting into a fair amount of trouble with the religious leaders and the authorities in Jerusalem by this time. In fact, if you were to read about this in some of the other accounts of the Gospels, you would find that the disciples actually urged Jesus not to do this. Don't go there. Stay away from Jerusalem. Because those people are out to get you. The disciples are thinking to themselves, we don't have the forces big enough yet for this rebellion that we're hoping Jesus will lead. We need to regroup and gather more. I think they know. They know the path that Jesus has taken is a dangerous one. And one that could very well see them killed, see Jesus killed. I wonder if Mary knows that too. In this moment where it's this amount of perfume that is poured out that is meant for a preparation for a burial. And if this one, it's not Mary's resistance to, we don't have enough people to fight this battle, but I wonder if it's Mary's acceptance of what she knows is coming. What Jesus certainly knows is coming during this week. That Mary has accepted this in her heart. That this is the path Jesus is walking. And she surrenders herself to that path as well. In this one act. This gift that Mary gives. But there's something else in this story that I want us to grab onto tonight. I know often we read these stories in the Bible and we just sort of float along from one story to the next and, and we read the Bible in chunks that way. But I want to draw attention to this story here tonight for a particular reason. John tells us that the smell of this perfume, the fragrance is so powerful that it fills the entire house, that it's poured out upon Jesus and as other gospel writers have noted, runs down his head and over his clothes and down to his feet. That doesn't just go away. 
the scent, the fragrance of that perfume would have lingered. It would have stayed with Jesus in the events that follow. The events that we're going to go on to read about tonight. The things that we're here today to remember. I think we've often forgotten, maybe we've always forgotten, that in these other stories, Jesus still carried that fragrance. That it stayed with him. That it would have stayed on him for that entire week following that. So, as Jesus goes and he gathers with his disciples in the upper room and they share that Passover feast together, the smell of Mary's gift still lingers with Jesus then. When they go out to the garden and Jesus prays there while his disciples fall asleep, the smell of Mary's gift is still there with him. When the mob comes and they arrest Jesus and they haul him away, the smell of Mary's gift is still there with him. When Jesus is taken to trial and he's before the Sanhedrin, the religious court of the Jews, and then before Pilate to be sentenced to death, he's being interrogated by them. That fragrance, that smell of Mary's gift is still there with him. When Jesus is tortured by Roman soldiers, the smell of Mary's gift is still there with him. And when Jesus is placed on a cross and nailed to it, that smell of Mary's gift is still there with him. It's almost as though Mary knew everything that would be taken from Jesus that week. Almost like she knew all the things would be taken away. His friends would all fall away and abandon and leave him. His dignity would be taken away from him. His very life would be taken away from him. It's almost as though Mary knows that's coming. And the one thing that she can think to give is, here's something that I can give Jesus that in all the things that are going to be taken away, they can't take this away. This will stay with him. They can try, but this one will stay with him. Almost like she knew that in what was coming. And it makes me think then of the gift that Jesus gave. That this is an event that we remember Jesus going to the cross so that he could give a gift to us that's never taken away can never be taken off once it's put on. That it stays there with us. Now, I know grace doesn't have an actual smell. There's no fragrance that goes along with grace like there is for perfume in this. But if there were, if, if grace had a fragrance, it would be one like that perfume that would stay with you 
never goes away. Once it's put on, it cannot be covered up or taken off. Mary pours out her gift upon just one person. Jesus receives this gift from Mary and, and it stays with him. Jesus goes to the cross and he pours out his gift of grace upon the entire world. That all who come to God in faith are completely washed over in this fragrance of grace. One that can never be taken away. One that no matter how powerful the, the smell and the stench of sin and brokenness in our world might be, it can never overpower the grace that we now wear because Jesus has poured it upon us and it never goes away. It stays with us for all eternity. Let's pray together. God, as we on this night gather here and we go through the story of this day and the events of this week and what that means, Lord, we pray that you would remind us as we hear these stories that there was a fragrance about Jesus that was given to him as a gift by Mary that stayed with him. And may that reminder also then remind us that the gift Jesus gives, poured out upon the world, stays with us, never goes away. We thank you for that. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.